Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. For more information and to donate online, go to 3cr.org.au. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. 3CR would like to acknowledge the Kulin Nations, true owners, caretakers and custodians of the land from which we broadcast. 3CR pays respect to elders, past and present of the Kulin Nation. We recognise their unceded sovereignty. This is 3CR Breakfast. Alternative news, analysis and current affairs. Monday to Friday, 7am to 8.30am. Good morning and welcome to Tuesday Breakfast on 3CR, 8.5am on your dial. It is the 27th of August. If you hear some shuffling, we've got a bit of stuff happening. Zoya's just made it in the nick of time. And Chris stole my seat. Whoa. Oh, wow. Okay. I, I come in and they're not in their little corner of shame. They're, they're sitting in One my day spot. I like the room. And here we are. I am, and I've been given back the microphone that has the lovely little... Oh, there we go. That was a nice little announcement. Um, so whilst you two were out of the room, Chris and I decided we were going to have uh, the Pisces show. Pisces show. George, yeah. George, we talk about our feelings. It's it's just um my mic's not on. Thanks, oh. Anya. But <laughs> you <laughs> so what was that show again? Just um, yeah. It was going to be the it was going to be the Pisces <laughs> show with Chris and George where we talk about Aww. our feelings. Yeah. Uh, so what? if you guys want to leave feelings. at any point, that's great. <laughs> I know, you're a Scorpio, we, that's not really going to work. Yeah, yeah, I don't have feelings, sorry. We've we got a whole hour's worth. Yeah. We've at least an hour's worth. Uh, Do you just cry on the on the microphone? Definitely. That, well, yeah. it's crying, but also a lot of complaining and like, A lot yelling. of complaining. That yeah, I can get behind. We've got a bit of anger. What, what, yeah. what, does, what does Gemini do in that context? Oof, Gemini's Ooh, not into do? that. Yeah, Am I not? No, no. Gemini's, they like to keep things light and kind of, they yeah. like to, yeah. We you probably should get into Maybe. star signs right now. Yeah, no. It's going to make us seem less credible as a breakfast team. No, they're real. It's real things. They're nine planets. Eight? Is Pluto still a planet? Well, I don't know. Does there are some truth is out there. I'm probably still. I'm leaving the conversation. <laughs> um, we should also say thank you so much to the Radioactive Show, current news and information on nuclear peace and energy issues. And mm. so we have some good stuff happening today. We do. Mm, we yes. do. Yes. Mm-hmm. We do indeed. So have we started off with the, who we've got in the studio at the moment? Have we got... No, not really. No. <laughs> <laughs> right <in> <laughs> so we have... We have a Scorpio. Um, we, have, yep, we have a Scorpio, two Pisces and a Gemini. That is all you yeah, need to know. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> we've got the lovely George. Hello. We have Anya. Good morning. We have Chris, Hello. our news specialist. Yeah. And we have me, Zoya. So it's all very exciting. Full um, house. Full, almost, yeah. almost, almost full house. Yeah. Almost full Diane house. Yeah. is not with us today. But and Lauren. Oh, and Lauren, mm. yes. Uh, North. I feel like we need to have a little remembrance session for Lauren every, every, yeah. every show. Mm. Everyone just, for anyone not in the studio, everyone just let out a sigh. <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, she knew how to keep things going. <laughs> 
she still keeps things going though. She still works behind the scenes on the show. Still sends us lots of yeah news articles. Yeah, still listens in, which is really lovely. So. So what do we have coming up on the show? Okay, so we're going to have a lot of discussions uh, and hear from a lot of people about Japarong and what's going on up there. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're going to be speaking with uh, Laura McLean, who is a Ruadri woman, and she's been heading up there quite a bit over the last week, so she's going to give us some updates. Uh, but we're also going to be talking to her about we're at Purple Day on Friday as well. And... Potentially her becoming a regular on Tuesday breakfast. Amazing. To talk about union-related things, mm. and she does lots of cool stuff, so I'm really excited for that. Yeah. Awesome. So you've put that out on the air now so that she has to become a regular. Exactly, yep. yeah, yeah. She's not like it. Listen, I like it. <laughs> you will become one of us. As long as we know your start sign. That's yeah. Taurus, actually, I do. It. <laughs> oh, good. good. This is how you talk to people. I've done my homework. And then uh, we'll also be speaking with Jess Eisen, who is a tutor and PhD candidate in gender studies, about do you all know about the Melbourne Free University? Mm, yes, they no, have I've heard, have yeah. heard of that? I actually have not heard of that. I don't know a lot about it, so I'm really excited to, to learn. But yeah. they, they hold these events and they basically get you know academics and thinkers and people to come and engage with particular topics. Mm. And this one's on um, a queer manifesto that was written in the 1990s in New York and just thinking about what is the relevance of that writing today. Mm. Mm. Not to not to toot our own horn, yes. but it almost sounds like what we did last um, summer. Summer school yeah, where we brought in all this. <laughs> Available on www.3cr.org. <laughs> it, it does, it really does. Yeah, but at a much higher level, I'm sure. And more. No. Summer school was amazing. It's, it's, yeah. what, it's what got me into wanting to do Tuesday breakfast. Mm. I thought it was fantastic. Okay, now that I've tutored my own horn, uh, let's move on. <laughs> so... That's the show for today. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. We've also got lots of audio from yes. Jabwarang Embassy because George, you and Ayan went up this weekend. Yes, we w- we went um, over the weekend. Yeah, mm. yeah. Really excited to hear that. Yeah, yeah. and we yeah. well, we'll also hopefully have a an excerpt from the most recent Earth Matters um, episode that was on over the weekend where they had a Jabwarang special mm-hmm. and had. Uh, Lydia Thorpe and Auntie Sandra Onus spoke to them with some really good background and sort of, um, yeah, background for people about Japarong, what's happening up there, why it's important. Cool. Mm-hmm. Awesome. So to start off, shall we jump into news? Yeah, jump right into yeah. news. Well, I mean, it's very sad news actually following, you know, that introduction and, and we'll probably hear more about it later. But uh, we've... Yesterday morning, um, traditionally owners at, uh, up at Jabarong woke to, f- to find one of the trees, that one of the ancestor trees on fire, which um, smoking, and I'm, I'm not sure what kind of damage, like there's still, I think there's still news coming out. We're not, they're not positive if it's arson, but it's suspected arson. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that, that kind of follows, yeah, a real increase in support, which has been wonderful for, for Jabarong protesters. Um, uh, I don't know, tra- Victoria's Trades Hall went up over the weekend. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah, and we'll, we'll, we'll hear more about it going forward, but it's just very disappointing. And also, um, weirdly not... I mean, go, I, last week I, I went up for a day and we went into Ararat, and the feeling in Ararat is not at all supportive of... Right. Like, there, there were probably some... Like, I'm I'm positive, you know, not all people in Ararat, but, like, <laughs> I went around with a group doing pamphleting, and literally everyone we spoke to either didn't support or were uh, outwardly 
quite really? vicious to some of the stuff. And that's, again, that's just the groups we Not spoke supportive to. Not supportive of the Jaborong Of the Jaborong Embassy. embassy oh, okay. or the, um, and it was, we actually literally had someone um, turn to us as well, saying, would you like a pamphlet? Have, have you heard about the fight to save these mm. sacred trees? And she, she kind of smiled and kept walking, but as she went, she said, I'd burn them myself if I could. Oh, my God. And that quote, like, stuck in my head, because, oh, like, that is wow. such a, like... Were there uh, any... Did they tell you why they were so... I think some people were frustrated that it was holding up the development, like, those because it's part... It's the middle stage of a three-stage, you know, billions of dollars have gone into this massive Yeah, right, so upgrade. they've already started. Oh, that's one, right. One okay. stage is already completed. This yeah, is okay. the middle stage of the second. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, there are alternative routes, and there's other ways that, you know, some people had legitimate... Some One woman we spoke to was quite sad. She had lost someone on the road who she wanted, like, a safer road, and that's that's valid. Like she, But there are other ways to do that yeah, that don't include course, yeah. uh, knocking down sacred yeah. trees. Definitely. And, and um, just on that, because I, I don't know if all of you have seen, there was uh, The Feed did a little segment on Japarong. Yes. And that's why I'm surprised that you said that, Chris, because they, the way that they framed it in that segment kind of felt like, you know, they were like, Ararat sort of in two, they're in two positions, either for or against, and it sort of felt like there was an even split in the way that they reported on it. Right, mm. and for, for all I know, there were, like, this was just a handful of people, and we do know that a lot of the landholders up there are very supportive of Jabberon yeah. protesters, yeah. a lot mm. of allies. Uh, but it was, I, I think, yeah, this isn't meant to be representative of Ararat, yeah. but just, it but was quite shocking. That, yeah. Very disappointing and quite shocking, you know, one of those sad reality checks that there was a level like we at least spoke to like a handful of people who were just I, I hadn't witnessed that kind of um, yeah mm. yeah something I guess maybe we'd underestimated yeah I think at then. this point maybe it's important to note that if there are any listeners who are getting um, you know upset or or triggered by by news of, of Jabborong which understandably you yes. know just, just tune out for a bit yes yeah sorry should have done that top and, no. yeah. um and similarly, we should use that one for the next piece of news, which um, is, is also depressing. This week uh, for Senate, uh, there's a Senate inquiry into the Medivac legislation, which one house uh, repealed last month, the new Morrison government repealed. For anyone who's, who's unaware, the Medivac legislation uh, empowers doctors to have a say over whether people are transferred from offshore detention to onshore. Previously, it was all kind of left to the discretion of the department. And this is, you know, we know we know that failed. Like there was, there was a man in 2014 who um, died by a preventable foot infection because people, bureaucrats held it up so long. They said, "Oh, is it really? Can it not be covered on the island?" You know, um, there are a bunch of other cases that Home Affairs have tried to stop people, and this this many vac process uh, expedites it. It basically says if somebody has a serious mental, you know, mental or physical illness, come to Australia, and. Um, yeah, the coalition, it passed when the coalition was in minority government for, like, a very short amount of time at the end, you know, early this year. Um, and we've, you know, now that they've taken back control of the uh, House of Representatives, it, it's all up to the Senate. And as I think we mentioned a while ago, it all comes down to Jackie Lambie, which is going to be very interesting. And she has specifically cited this inquiry. Like, she will only make up her mind um, after this inquiry. And so far, everyone except Home Affairs has been overwhelming. Legal, community... Doctors, everyone who's who's been at the inquiry yesterday have said this is this is urgent stuff. Like we know the situation on Manus Nauru is critical. Mm. We know there are certain actions being taken by both Nauru and Papua New Guinea governments that have kind of delayed Medivac or like um, hidden people to some extent. Some people have been imprisoned in Papua New Guinea. People who have con- conscientiously objected to being processed by Papua New Guinea because they say 
we sought asylum in Australia. We don't want to resettle in Papua New Guinea. We don't feel safe here, whatever the reason. Uh, they've held off, and because they haven't been found to be refugees, Papua New Guinea last month has put them in a new prison, including, that includes, I think it's 53 people, one of whom was cleared for Medivac, two more of whom have been cleared since, 33 of whom uh, are awaiting uh, announcements. So people who, who should already have come to Australia under Medivac have been put in prison in Papua New Guinea. Papua New Guinea. So it's, um, yeah. we know, we know that there's, um, there is an urgent need for Medivac, and we know that, like, Nauru has something similar where they ban doctors talking to patients over a mm. uh, teleconference. Mm. Um, but, yes, so it all kind of comes down to, like, th- this will be a crucial week. We're going to hear a lot of people come out and say, again, 99% of the community, 99% of lawyers and 99% of mm. doctors, the, the big arguments against it will be from home affairs and from, um, like, people like Peter Dutton. And that's uh, after this, we'll we'll go to the Senate next. I'm not sure if it's next week or the weeks mm-hmm. following, and then we'll hear it all come. Like it, the Senate is will be evenly split, uh, other than for Jackie Lambie. So, Jackie, mm-hmm. if if you're listening, please support Medivac. It is um, it's not a full time solution. The people there deserve pro- proper permanent resettlement, mm-hmm. but it is um, it's all we have for now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and that's kind of like, so it's like two, yeah. two really big stories. And there's, there's been yeah. a few other bits and pieces mm-hmm. this week, but I, I think those are the, um, the yeah. major ones. And of yeah. course the Amazon burning. Yes, the there is the Amazon burning and there is, um, yeah, that's been going on for quite a few weeks now and yeah. it's, um, it's interesting. But it really sort of picked up last week and, uh, I think it's the news coverage yeah. finally covering yeah, it. Yeah, became yeah. wider. Yeah. Interestingly, it was actually for a lot of people, it was only when Leonardo DiCaprio shared some post saying nobody is covering this mm, in the really? Amazon and that post blew up and then people mm. started covering his, well, the celebrity news yeah, organizers wow. were like, here's what Leo's talking yeah. about. I saw and that he committed $5 million to the, you know, the, the project. The project, that's, that's terrific. I mean, it kind of comes down to, I, I actually don't know what the Brazilian government is doing now, but they've, you know, a lot of it was land clearing, so yeah, I'm not yeah. sure what, um, well, I saw, um, some of you might have seen this article yesterday, a couple of days ago, that a miner killed an indigenous leader in Brazil during an invasion of protected land. Jesus. And I, I don't know if that's really related, but I was just shocked that I think that someone had gone like undercover and then um, fatally stabbed at least one of the community's yeah. leaders. Because um, there was all this other news about this particular indigenous group which had just won a, a court case yeah. um, for their land, you know, yeah. to, to get their land back, basically. And then, it, you know, it burnt down literally the next day. So there's been lots of... There's a lot of connection between the fires and, you know, indigenous land and indigenous yeah. people as well, yeah. which is, you know, I mean, now with Jabwarong, it's sort of... Seems to be a global theme at the yeah, moment. Yeah, definitely. Like a, yeah. a rise of these strongmen kind of leaders. Who the, yeah. Bra- the new Brazil, Brazil's new president has he's made an election yeah. platform. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, he's like, we're going to get rid of indigenous land rights, give it to agriculture. Yeah, and for cattle ranching. And yeah. yeah. It's mm. uh, quite horrific. Yeah, so um, yeah. and the, like the main yeah. countries, is it the G7? Is that what they're called? Yeah. Yes. They've committed $20 million, which really which is nothing. Is nothing. That's, that's a drop in the For ocean. the world's lungs. For the world's the richest Amazon's leaders. Called. Yeah. 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 So that's all bad. Yeah, that's all bad. <laughs> Do you have uh, any positive news for us? 
Well, I mean, there was a bit of fun at the G7 leaders. I think <laughs> yeah, there was, I see that picture, there was yeah. a photo of Morrison looking very awkward. Nobody <laughs> wanted to talk to him. Because why would you? We've why? all been that person at the party just scrolling yeah, through the phone. Nobody wants know. to talk to us. So. But it's, it was perfectly You know what I feel like? <laughs> oh, yeah. It was it's sadly the one time I lost sympathy for him. I'm like, yeah, I we've all been there. I want to see this photo. I haven't seen it. Well, it, the first image, I think, I can't speak for Anya, but the first image that we saw were the Photoshopped versions because everyone was having fun oh, yeah. like, extending the difference to <laughs> Make it look like it was even. He's right in the middle, and they've. It's very easy to They're push miles the gap. and miles. Miles. And they get longer. Each new photo is longer. So. Um, That's so good. <laughs> it was very funny. Yeah. And then, um, yeah, the G7. There's a lot of. I mean, it's just Let's a joke when there, you have people yeah. like Boris and Trump all talking to each other, and it's like, what is the. Yeah. You know, yeah, so yeah, what is happening in the UK? I yeah. just <laughs> tell us. <laughs> For the first time in my life, I am speechless. <laughs> Quite frankly, I do not understand. I was just back there, and I think no one there quite understands oh. what's happening. I can still remember when Boris Johnson was campaigning to be mayor of London. And quite a few people voted for him as just a bit of a joke because, oh, Boris, isn't he funny? Look at him waving a flag around really weirdly and getting stuck up zip wires. But it's no, quite literally, that's that's what he does. Like he just does. It, it's his it's his persona, it's right? Stick, yeah. yeah. But he's an extremely clever person, and it's very consciously created that bumbling public school type really? that seems a bit um, yeah. inoffensive and okay. a bit stupid. But really, I mean, he can he can like read texts in ancient Greek and just like sit there like reading it. He's he's got a very one, you know, having gone to the universities and the schools that he went to, he has basically been trained for this. He's been trained mm. to become a very clever political operator mm. and to use all of the different skills and tactics that he has. There are, there are stories about in the 80s of him when he was a, a correspondent for a major newspaper, I can't remember which one it was, it may have been the Telegraph, may have been the Times, I, I could be wrong on both of those, um, for Europe. Mm. And the stories that have come out that, that people say about him and the the way he would very smartly use his stuttering and his bumbling yeah. to be able to get people to say stuff to him. <laughs> but on top of that, he then got fired from the same paper for basically printing fake news. Writing Thanks. fake wow. news. He got fired for fake news and it's it's it hasn't changed for him. Mm. That's that's his that's his one of his key strategies mm. is lying. There was a, a very, um, f I mean, very indicative, I'm not sure it was that funny photo that went semi-viral last year. And it's him like some I think they're doing some political campaign video. And every, and it's like the uncut, uncut footage. And before, like in between, when they're like, I'll break, we need to do this differently. You see him and he's very aggressively shuffling his hair forward mm. to make it look windswept and like mm. goofy. And like, yeah. and like just watching it is very like, you know, you see him mm. do rub it and yeah. like talk about like, oh, you know, as he's about to put on the voice. And then you see him going into character and out of character and into yeah. character and like him being serious. It's very clever. People. He's, he's, yeah. he's much more, in many ways, I think much more dangerous than someone like Trump because it's not obvious. Mm. And smooth operator, basically. So, well, on that depressing note. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> on that note. <laughs> on that World note. superpowers being run by <laughs> a very a clever or very stupid cartoon uh, character. Cartoon characters. <laughs> yeah. Red alert.
Numbers are needed at the Japarung Heritage Protection Embassy camps immediately. Sacred birthing trees on Japarung country need protecting. Over 50 generations have been born on these sites and the birthing trees themselves are 800 years old. These trees are being protected from the Victorian Labor Party's planned highway extension that is set to destroy this sacred dreaming landscape. The cops are coming with eviction orders very soon. The campaign to protect country is led by Japarung traditional owners who are calling on people from all walks of life for support. You can help by joining traditional owners at the camp on Japarung country near Ararat or by donating and putting pressure on Daniel Andrews to protect this sacred land. Visit dwembassy.com for more information and updates. No trees, no treaty. QR Code is an LGBTIQA plus health podcast made by queers. Across eight episodes, hear us engaging with our communities, discussing diverse and intersecting topics. On In Your Face on the last Friday of every month. Or download from 3cr.org.au forward slash QR Code. And follow us on Facebook at QR Code 3CR. Funded by the City of Yarra. The Australian Plants Expo is a huge native plant fair with displays, books, garden pots, giftware and activities for children, along with talks, demonstrations, workshops, refreshments and door prizes. The Australian Plants Expo, Saturday the 14th and Sunday the 15th of September, 10am to 4pm at the Eltham Community and Reception Centre, 801 Main Road, Eltham. Adults $5, concessions $4 and children free. Contact Australian Plant Society Yarra Yarra via email on apsyarrayarra at gmail.com or call 0430-513-433 for more information. The Australian Plant Society Yarra Yarra is a 3CR supporter. Accent women. It seems so obvious to me that if you live in a, in a completely violent um, cultural milieu that it's going to translate into every aspect of women's lives. Accent women. What's a border? They don't see it like a big wall right along the How the can country. people live ordinary lives when they're living in such an extraordinary situation where there are, two, where there are armies there and terrorists there and such conflict every single day of their lives? Accent women. A show by and about women from culturally and linguistically diverse backgrounds. Every Monday from 11am on Community Radio 3CR. You're listening to Tuesday Breakfast on 3CR, 3cr.org.au and 8.55am. The time is 7.25 on the dot. Um, That song you heard before was Cavalry by an awesome Beiruti electro band called Mashu Leila. Yeah, that was really cool. They are really, really cool. They're, they're, uh, they're queer as well, which is just really awesome to be out and queer and in a um, place that can often have a bit of blowback on that. Anya, I think you mentioned while the song was playing that they did. Yeah, they were cancelled at some international festival because of backlash from Christian groups. Mm, so Wow. But they are awesome mm. and their songs are fantastic mm. and I have been playing them on repeat at home constantly and I think my housemates so good, me yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so coming up now, because we've been talking about Japarong and because it's starting to hit, I suppose, the pointy end of all the activism, 
There is some fantastic content from our pals over at Earth Matters, which is on on Sundays. Uh, I will Sundays 11 a.m. to 11:30 a.m. And they put together some fantastic background, I suppose, on why Japarong's important, the build up to it, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. It is Nikki Stott speaking with Lydia Thorpe and Auntie Sandra Onis, just giving us some really good information. The trees are not just trees to my people, particularly to the long line of matriarchal women of the Japarung people. Japarung traditional owner Lydia Thorpe. They are part of us. The trees are known to be around 800 years old. They've been used over time by Japarung people, particularly women, for birthing and shelter and cooking. There are 3,000 trees to be cleared, and of that there's around 260 that have some kind of cultural significance, whether that be birthing or scarred trees. So it's, you know, it's not a small number of trees. It's, it's quite significant. They have trees that are very important. The landscape is very important. Jabarung elder, Auntie Sandra Onis. Trees that were are very ancient trees, hundreds of years old. But we used the sum of birthing trees where our women gave birth to their babies. They've been culturally modified for those reasons. And also there are trees that have been hollowed out and culturally modified by the men to work work reason, making tools and shelter. I'm not, I'm, that, that these trees are not important, but our cultural heritage is important. We are important. They're saying that they need to widen this road to make it safer and to lessen the time that it takes for particularly freight trucks. We've shown them an alternative. It's a cheaper alternative, and I can't see why they can't accept that. But instead of going out and wantonly destroy ancient trees and to change the landscape is disgraceful. They want to destroy the hills in the area when they don't have to, and there's no need for that. It's just something that they'd already decided before we became involved in protests of that, the thought of it, um, they'd already signed up their contractors and their contractors had already signed up their mates' mates rates and all that stuff. And, you know, it's, it's just outrageous that they think that they can wantonly keep destroying this land, our landscapes. Mm. We have to stop. Some of us are going to throw ourselves in front of the bulldozers if we have to. So it's going to become a rough fight if necessary. The Vic government claimed that they consulted with and gained consent from two Aboriginal organisations. But Jabarung traditional owners say that these organisations have not yet sat down and consulted with them to gain direct consent from the Jabarung people. 
we have up to 38 nations across the state and the Andrews government needs to be more specific about who they gained the consent from because it hasn't been the Japarung people. They've dealt with a Aboriginal corporation, Eastern Ma Aboriginal Corporation, which has registered Aboriginal party status. And to gain registered Aboriginal party status, you have to be approved by the Victorian Aboriginal Heritage Council. Now, to become a member of the Victorian Aboriginal Heritage Council, you have to be appointed by the Minister for Aboriginal Affairs. My mother is one of the senior Japarung women involved in this and through her and through Aunty Sandra Onus, who is, is also a senior Japarung woman, we've requested Isamar Aboriginal Corporation to hold a meeting of the Japarung women. We did that six months ago and that still hasn't happened. They're just going on the fact that they've done a deal with Eastern Ma Aboriginal Corporation and they are going on as business as usual. So I think that they're just in a hurry to get the job done. They don't want to waste any more money. But I also think that it's not easy to have to negotiate with a number of people all the time either. And I think that's why they set up the registered Aboriginal party process because it provides a easier, more direct way to get sign-off. You see, there was a, 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 what they call a CHIMP, a Cultural Heritage Management Plan, and that was done in 2012. There were no women involved in that. Um, there were no women in the team and didn't identify any of the six trees that we want to protect. You know, they say there was no, no, um, cultural heritage values is outrageous. The trees themselves speak for it, and certainly the landscape. And then last month, one of the... Red alert. Numbers are needed at the Japarung Heritage Protection Embassy camps immediately. Sacred birthing trees on Japarung country need protecting. Over 50 generations have been born on these sites and the birthing trees themselves are 800 years old. These trees are being protected from the Victorian Labor Party's planned highway extension that is set to destroy this sacred dreaming landscape. The cops are coming with eviction orders very soon. The campaign to protect country is led by Japarung traditional owners who are calling on people from all walks of life for support. You can help by joining traditional owners at the camp on Japarung country near Ararat or by donating and putting pressure on Daniel Andrews to protect this sacred land. Visit dwembassy.com for more information and updates. No trees, no treaty. Good morning, you're listening to 3CR Tuesday Breakfast on 3CR Community Radio with George, Zoya and myself, Anya. That was a great track, what was that? Yeah, you were just listening to Solo by Jess B and if you've been tuning in for the last couple of weeks, you would have heard... You're still hearing some music, is that... Are you still hearing something? No, I'm not. (laughs) Oh, I think... uh I think George's Spotify had decided to <laughs> carry on giving us a nice little more more Jespy. Well, maybe compare some AB original later. Sorry about that. I apologise for any of the issues today. It's my first time on the panel in about two months or so. Oh so. my god! Don't even apologise. <laughs> um, 
you will be hearing more of that track later. <laughs> so it was a very intentional it's foreshadowing. Sneak, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Sorry about that. Um, but you were just hearing from Jess B, who, if you've been listening for the last couple of weeks, I've been playing one of her songs each week. <laughs> so hope you've been enjoying that. There's a new <laughs> album out. It's called New Views, and that track was called Solo. And before that, we had some audio from Earth Matters. We did. We had some audio from the last Earth Matters show that was on this last Sunday at 11 a.m. And we heard from Lydia Thorpe and Auntie Sandra Onus, who were both Japarong women, talking about the background to Japarong, um, the campaign that's going out there around the sacred birthing trees, why it's important and what's been happening so far. Mm. And people at camp need um, assistance. They need, you know, warm bodies, but they also yeah. need food vouchers and, you know, all, all sorts of supplies. So if you if you can go down, please go down. It's mm. two hours from Melbourne, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Uh, lots of carpools are being organised, so you can always reach out and find someone mm. to take you there. If you can't make it for whatever reason, just, you know, chuck some money into their campaign, send some supplies. There's so many ways to help, raise awareness uh, on social media platforms. Um, this is probably one of the biggest fights that's been happening um, this year for the Japarong people mm. and um, I think it's really important to be absolutely if you're an ally I think it's really important to be very very mm. outwardly supportive mm. and loud about this and we need to remember as well that as time goes on you know th- there's a big push right now but mm. it could be that this fight could continue but mm. hopefully it will continue and it won't be ended by the government hopefully it will end by the government getting in but that Mm. may not well happen that there will come a time when this push isn't happening and they're still going to need people they're still going to need supplies exactly they're still going to need money so it's not just today it's it's ongoing and then after this there's going to be another fight and another fight in different places and yeah i think the government is really counting on people to get tired so yeah um yeah if you can make it please go down if not there's so many other ways to do it um, just follow them on Facebook. I think it's called the Jabarang Embassy. Um, they have lots of updates and, yeah, on Twitter, everywhere. Yeah. Um, so we thought maybe we'll talk about another thing that's happening this week that's um, sort of the culmination of a campaign that's been going on for quite a long time, and we've covered that uh, with different organisations and different people over the last few months. Uh, this is about Auntie Tanya Day, who was a proud Yota Yota woman. Um, and the brief background was that, um, you know, she was catching the V-Line service from Echuca to Melbourne uh, in December 2017. Um, and just past Bendigo, uh, she started to nod off. Um, and I think she eventually fell asleep and allegedly her legs were blocking the aisle at some point. The police were called um, for whatever reason, instead of health services or, you know. Um, anyway, she was taken to the police uh, cells in Castle, Maine. And um, she, you know, she sustained some head injuries and later on she passed away, unfortunately, in the hospital. And so since then, her family have been campaigning um you know, for a couple of things, to find out the real reason behind her death um, and also to abolish the law of uh, the crime of public drunkenness, which um, there was a Royal Commission that happened 30 years ago and one of the recommendations into uh, the Royal Commission 
regarding uh, debts in custody was that the offence of public drunkenness should be abolished and Queensland and Victoria were the only two states in Australia that still hadn't abolished that crime. And so the campaign was um, to get that crime abolished because, you know, it's a crime that unfairly attacks and incarcerates Aboriginal people. And that's well, well documented and it's been, you know, recommended over and over again that this crime should be abolished. Um, but because of this campaign and, and the increased sort of um, attention in media around this issue, last week the Victorian government finally announced that they will abolish this, this crime, um, which is great news. It's really sad that it took, you know, so many deaths and including Auntie Tanya Day's death for this to happen but major kudos to the family who've fought relentlessly. So the government has so far said that they will abolish the crime and replace it with some sort of health based alternative which we don't really know what it what that is at this point but that sounds like a good moving uh, forward plan Um, because yeah I mean you know punishing people for being drunk in public is just you know, it's not the answer. It's not, and of course, it of course un- unfairly targets certain groups and communities, and that's yeah. I mean, it's silly not to think that it it won't. Mm. So I'm glad that it's finally happening. It's really sad that it's happened after all these deaths, but yeah. it's happening. The other thing that's happening this week is Can the just c- sorry. Mm-hmm. I just wanted to add to that. The I I was just reading the update from. Um, the Facebook page uh-huh. for Tanya Day, um, and they said with the first day of the inquest uh, that they heard from the V-Line conductor who called police after he came across Miss Day who was asleep on the train, and he said that, um, or they said that under questioning from Peter Morrissey representing Miss Day's family, Mr Irvine agreed Miss Day was not loud, threatening or aggressive, and no one had complained about her. You know, yet a few hours later she would mm. be dead. And some of the, so that was the thing that, um, you know, that's happening this week, which is the coronial inquest into figuring out what the cause of Auntie Tanya Day's death was. Um, so that's happening this week. And, it, you know, it's it's been quite a, it's really hard to follow that on Twitter because some of the evidence that's coming out is really difficult to digest. Um, a lot of evidence has been led to say that she was not in any way unruly or whatever, but also that, you know, um, her family wasn't called. There were no, you know, safe people who were thought of as alternatives before the police were called. Um, you, you know, nobody went through her phone to find out if she had any family members that could be could be called to assist her. The, you know, health services wasn't called. It was straight away, it was the police. And so that was really hard to follow yesterday. But also, I mean, this is what people have been saying all along. And un- it takes a coronial inquest for people to understand that that's what has happened in, in her matter. Mm. Um, so the coronial inquest will will hopefully answer these questions. The other thing that's uh, quite uh, groundbreaking in this coronial inquest is that um, the argument that systemic racism contributed to Auntie Tanya Day's death has been brought up as um, as an argument in this inquest, and it has never, you know, this argument has never been brought up before. So it'll be really interesting to see how they rule, um, according to that as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then if that then becomes a framework that can be used with in other cases. Exactly. Yeah. 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 So lots to follow up.
we can't really talk too much about the inquest until it finalizes, but hopefully at some point we'll have someone to come in and talk about it. 3CR are selling kefir Palestinian scarves in support of the last factory that produces them in Hebron, Palestine. All profits will be donated to the reconstruction efforts in Gaza and support Palestinian industry. These are traditional scarves available in red and black or you can choose from a modern design. Go to 3cr.org.au slash shop to buy online or drop into the station during business hours. Six years I've been in desert. Beyond the Bars is 3CR's annual prison project, giving voice to our Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander inmates right across Victoria. It's good to be here because uh, Aboriginal radio and um, you don't really get to do this much. Brings us all together. Time, you'll get your time to take that first step out that front door to freedom beyond these walls. Make sure and I just want to say thank you to all of you for giving us the opportunity to speak on air. The reason, the bigger the calling. Make your commitment and watch things unfold. And you can listen to audio from this year's broadcasts and previous years as well. Online at any time, just go to 3cr.org.au forward slash beyond the bars. But also while I'm here, I'd like to say thank you for all for coming, um, helping, giving us a chance to do this. It's really good, you know, it's been going for a while now. Hopefully it goes, it keeps going, you know, like it's, it's good that we can do this and um, get our voice out there. As prisoners, we can't blame everything on the external. So let's stop looking for it in the hands of the persecutor, because real power comes from here, and it comes from family. If you would like us to post you a free CD, contact the station on 03-9419-8377. You're listening to Tuesday Breakfast on 3CR. On the line we have Jess Eisen, who is going to be talking with us about an upcoming event hosted by the Melbourne Free University. And Jess is a tutor and PhD candidate in Gender Studies. So thank you so much for joining us this morning, Jess. Thanks for having me. So let's start off, I guess, I think some of our listeners might not know much about the Melbourne Free University. Can you tell us a bit about it? Yeah, sure. Um, The Melbourne Free University is this really great initiative from um, to give free education to anyone who wants to come along and um, mostly wanting to make it um, as accessible as possible um, and to let you know, all different types of education that maybe wouldn't be allowed in the university anymore um, to be freely available there. Uh, and they're always looking for people to run different courses, so if you have an idea, um, let them know because they want all different perspectives and, and different ideas and, and different um, different types of education. Yeah, that's, that's super cool. Um, and so you said that it's the, sometimes education that's not allowed at universities. I was wondering if you could unpack that. A little bit. Um, I guess currently universities are what we call the neoliberal institution or basically spaces that have become, not that there was some kind of amazing heyday of universities, um, but 
now there are definitely spaces that are very much around uh, money and um, people getting people getting in for yeah just getting these pieces of paper that are sometimes kind of useless. Um, whereas the really kind of radical education doesn't fit that um, when it's when education is actually just kind of part of the part of capitalism. Yeah. So I guess. Melbourne Free University is trying to offer an alternative to that education that isn't just geared towards getting a job, becoming a, con- a consumer. It's about, um, yeah, just wanting to learn and how great that is. Yeah. I mean, it's a pretty sad state that that's where we're at in terms of university education, but really good that this has been set up to kind of offer that alternative. Yeah, I think it's really an important initiative because of that and also because not everyone can go to uni or... Um, has the resources to go to uni, but uh, maybe can come to some of these events, or you can listen to the podcast as well. So, oh, awesome! Um, podcast, yeah, cool, yeah. <laughs> so, speaking about this series that's on at the moment, the manifesto series, can you tell us a little bit about it? Um, so, Carol De Cruz, who um, runs the gender studies department at La Trobe, just had this cool idea to um, read manifestos because manifestos are these amazing kind of texts that are usually tell you a lot about what's happening at the time that they're written. Um, they usually are very passionate, obviously, um, and sometimes quite, you know, they can be quite dramatic. They can be really fun to read, um, to look back on. Of course, there's manifestos. Some people might do manifestos that are written now, but um, you can, when you look at them historically, it really shows you a lot about what's happening at the time. Um, so they're really fun to look back on as well, um, as, as well as reading some now. Um, yeah, so she just kind of came up with this idea of how fun would this be to look at manifestos, think about what they're saying, can we take anything from, from these manifestos or are they all, do we have to kind of um, let go of all of it that's no longer relevant um, and just grappling with those different questions. Yeah, yeah, this sounds really interesting and you're, you're going to be involved with this session that concerns the Queer Nation Manifesto. So mm-hmm. what, what, what is the Queer Nation Manifesto? Um, it was this manifesto handed out at the uh, New York Pride Parade in 1990 and was subsequently claimed by this group, Clear Nation, that were a kind of short-lived group um, but are pretty well known for their chant, um, we're queer, we're here, get used to it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they handed it out at the Pride Parade because it was really in that moment um, where the government had been really inactive around HIV and they were really angry about it. And, and Queer Nation came out of this group called ACT UP, the AIDS Coalition to Unleash Power. Mm. If anyone's been watching Pose, you will have seen them um, just sit in noting. the series. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so um, the people who formed Queer Nation came out of ACT UP um, wanting to not uh, just focus on AIDS activism. Um, they were really angry about lots of um, different violence that was happening against queer people. And they were really angry about what they saw as they were kind of at the cold face of this change towards a really kind of normative politics that was happening in gay liberation. Mm. Um, And they wanted to fight back against that as well. So they kind of had these two, um, these two things they were doing. It was anger at straight society, but also anger at what they saw um, at the change. Uh, in gay liberation, which is what we might now call homonormativity. Yes, yeah, and can you tell us a bit more about homonormativity and maybe we can talk about whether this is still something that we're grappling with today in queer communities? Uh, yeah, so homonormativity comes kind of... Well, originally there was this um, term from uh, Michael Warner called heteronormativity, which kind of means 
you know, basically the world. Everything is um, created to make heterosexuality as the norm, um, from TV commercials, everything. Um, and anything outside that is seen as a transgression, and, and we're told our whole lives that we should want to attain this thing called heteronormativity and everything that comes with that, um, monogamy, family, all of these types of things. Um, and so homonormativity kind of comes from that, thinking about um, the ways in which particularly gay and lesbian politics uh, became super about fitting into the norms of society, to be basically like straight people. Um, gay marriage is kind of case in point of that, um, of saying we're just like you. Um, but of course, if you think about gay marriage, a lot of what happened there was around making um, particularly gay and lesbian people seem just like heterosexuals. We removed any discussion of us having sex. Um, we removed any discussion of anything that would have seen um, as not acceptable to straight society. Um, and uh, yeah, I think it's very much still a huge problem because, um, of course, who's copying the backlash of that now, as, as a lot of us were saying? Um, it's particularly trans folk right now are copying that backlash um, in, in the face of a kind of normative agenda that, that was gay marriage. Um, yeah. And so, and other marginalised groups as well, of course. Um, so I think it's very much still a problem. And this is, this is what um, really, what Queers Read This is really responding to. It's one of their key responses is an anger at, um, at any kind of, of, of arguments, particularly for privacy, um, which has really started to be a shift of gay people saying we want to be able to um, have privacy in the home to be able to have these relationships um, where historically um, queers had often been, queer and trans people had often been in public where it was where we faced a lot of oppression. And so the, one of the things in the manifesto is saying, no, we don't want, we don't want privacy, we want it to be in public. Um, and so that's really kind of this early response to homonormativity. Right. And so do you think that these issues that were being spoken about in the 90s are still mm-hmm. relevant today? You know, do you think we still mm-hmm. have, it sort of sounds like these issues of like certain voices within the queer community that have the loudest say and certain, mm-hmm. um, I guess, agendas for people within that community that are pushing for their rights, but it might not necessarily be impacting other people in the community. Do you think this mm-hmm. is still something that we're grappling with? Yeah, I mean, I think definitely, particularly with the current backlash against trans people, um, that, you know, where are the gay marriage campaigners? I mean, there was... How much money was raised for gay marriage? I don't even know, millions. Um, Where have those people kind of gone? And this is always what I was concerned about, is that when some people gain um, a seat at the table, they leave behind everyone else. Um, And that's always a dangerous politics. It's always dangerous to, um, to want to join the norm because... Um, to do that, you have to leave aside the people who you think won't allow you into that normativity, mm. and that's any of us who don't fit in. And yeah, I just I don't see a huge amount of response to um, the current backlash against trans people from the normative kind of gay yeah. Uh, movement. Yeah, so that issue of being an ally to other people in the LGBTQIA plus community when you're having your needs met or you know the issues that you've been fighting for have been kind of addressed. Um, yeah. But actually, yeah, yeah, using that position to, to to fight for other issues is really important. Yeah, and I think that's really in the manifesto. I mean, they didn't really kind of use the words that we use now, but they were talking. They do talk about different um, different uh, oppressed groups in yeah. the manifesto as well. So it's this kind of really interesting text, I think. Yeah, and so do you think that 
there's much we can learn from that t- for today. Like what, you know, the, the point of kind of thinking about queer history, what does that mean for us today? Um, yeah, I think there's, I think there's things we can learn from it. Um, I think the anger in it is really great. I really love that. I think we've lost, um, an, a space to allow it to be angry because we've been told we have acceptance now. So it's kind of like, well, what are you angry at? Um, and, and the anger that they have is so palpable. When you read it, um, you feel mad and, and, um, and it's really one of the key things that they talk about. Um, and I also really like, I mean, one of the things they're saying is they're like demanding that we have revolution. Um, but they also say that being queer, the queer act of being alive is itself revolutionary. So I really like um, their their anger, but also them saying that us kind of surviving is itself is a really great thing. Yeah. So if listeners want to hear more about this topic, how can they get involved? Um, well, you can come on Thursday. It's from 6.30 to 8 at um, the Alderman in... Uh, on Margon Street, and then um, also it will be um, it will be recorded, so there'll be a podcast. Oh, that's right. Yeah, beautiful. And so it's and you can yeah. Sorry, <laughs> I was going to say you can check out the Melbourne Free Uni website or um, their Facebook. And so it's going to be a forty-five minute conversation and then an open discussion after that. Is that right? Yes. Cool. Yes, it will be. Oh, that sounds yes, super interesting. Fun. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Thank you so much for joining us this morning, Jess. I think that this is definitely, like Tuesday Breakfast definitely gets on board any kind of education that goes on outside of these formal settings that's open to everyone. I think that's really important. So thank you for your time. Thank you. Red alert. Numbers are needed at the Japarang Heritage Protection Embassy camps immediately. Sacred birthing trees on Japarang country need protecting. Over 50 generations have been born on these sites and the birthing trees themselves are 800 years old. These trees are being protected from the Victorian Labor Party's planned highway extension that is set to destroy this sacred dreaming landscape. The cops are coming with eviction orders very soon. The campaign to protect country is led by Japarang traditional owners who are calling on people from all walks of life for support. You can help by joining traditional owners at the camp on Japarang country near Ararat or by donating and putting pressure on Daniel Andrews to protect this sacred land. Visit dwembassy.com for more information and updates. No trees, no treaty. You're listening to Tuesday Breakfast on 3CR, 855am and 3cr.org.au. You are in the studio with me, Zoya, Anya and George. And George, who did we just hear from? We were just talking with... Jess Eisen, who is a tutor and PhD candidate, about the Melbourne Free University event on uh, something called a Queer Nation Manifesto. And that is going to be on 6.30 to 8 at the Alderman on Ligon Street, right? Yeah, yeah. good Classic memory. Classic well, because I knew. Because oh, I'm yeah. probably going to go. I love the Alderman. I yeah. It. There are going to be so many people on dates at the Alderman at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> I've got this sudden image in my head. It is a perfect date spot. So anyone out there who's right now on, you know, Tinder, Hinge, Bumble. This is not an ad for the old woman just saying. No, yeah, no, 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 no. There's no, lots no, no. of great But I mean, I mean, I know, yeah, absolutely. Um, no, I mean, for this, for, this, for this event, though, it does sound like a fantastic little date to go on. Perhaps mm. a, a second date, third date, when you want to scope out the person's politics and, yeah. and, and intellect. You yeah. can throw them in the deep end and, yeah. and see. And if the date's like, oh, what's this event? I don't agree. You can be like, 
So you never. <laughs> exactly. No. I think it's it's a really it's a really good um, really good test. But that was a really interesting interview. I mm. think the two of us sitting over here on the other side of the table, George, were nodding along while Jess was speaking. Um, Anya, I think you had a few reflections on it. Yeah, I think this. You know what Jess brought up about. Um, the, the millions of dollars that was raised during the marriage equality fight and, uh, you know, the marriage equality activists um, who are all sort of silent at the moment of because of all this, um, you know, the, you know how the Australian has started its new campaign against trans people mm-hmm. and um, the the law or, yeah, the law to change gender marker on birth certificates, which has been debated in the Victorian Parliament. I think it's passed the lower house and it's going mm. up to the Senate next, is what I think is it's happening. Mm. Um, so that's, you know, brought up a lot of hysteria amongst the right-wing conservatives. But also, you know, the, the coverage around this issue has sort of um, been so harmful and dangerous to trans people and the general public who might not be as engaged in this issue because it doesn't affect them, fair, whatever, um, have been, you know, there's a danger of swaying them in the wrong direction. So I think it's really important for the activists who were so involved during the marriage equality debate, considering how a lot of it was framed in the don't worry, your boys won't wear dresses because of marriage equality sort of, you know, mm-hmm. argument that threw trans people under the bus constantly. I think yeah. now is time for us to show up and, you know, be, be on the right side and help our trans family. Absolutely. As, as, a, as, as one of your trans family, mm. um, <laughs> I do think that that is, that is so important. And it also makes me think of when the whole marriage equality campaign started, not this one in Australia, but I mean globally in general. Mm. So when conversations started being had decades ago about there being a right for gay people to to be married or to have some kind of civil partnership. Mm -hmm. The um, apparently, especially in the US, the reason why we went down in that direction was originally it was a debate or conversation around medical access. So Mm -hmm. insurance access, health care, being able to have power of attorney, Mm -hmm. that kind of thing, being able to be in the same room as your partner while they are dying, Mm -hmm. especially around the time of the AIDS crisis was a really big thing and Mm. that was initially the focus of being able to get medical equality Mm. but it sort of i'm not going to use the word hijacked what happened was the conversation somewhat shifted and there was a decision that had to be made is this argument going to be solely about getting medical access Mm. and therefore allowing a queering of relationships because you get equality whether or not you're married or is it going to become about let's have the same rights as straight people and the same that that homonormativity that Mm. that that same life as straight people and it got picked up by that i suppose what might be now the more mainstream queers white cis often male Mm -hmm. able-bodied privileged wealthy they necessarily they didn't necessarily need the medical insurance side of things they wanted the normativity side of things Mm. and that conversation went in that direction and that one little flip really did push it seems, um, you know, there is an idea or a theory that that did, but was part of what pushed that homonormativity in that direction mm. as opposed to attempting to queer relationships, which would also then have queered relationships for um, heterosexual couples or couples who are in heterosexual relationships, mm. whether they're queer or not, mm. would have allowed for a further, a further right. queering of that. Which is interesting. definitely, you can see how that was um, more dangerous to straight society you know, mm. the fact that, yeah, this would not just be about queer mm. people being queer, but it would also 
have an impact on everybody else and would mm. challenge ideas of gender and sexuality in a mm. way that was more d- dangerous for, yeah. for them. Absolutely. I also think, I mean, it's really important to point out that, you know, there's there's lots of division in the queer community about whether marriage equality is needed or not and what it means, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, I guess the sort of the radical position and, you know, position that I think most of us um, have in the studio is that marriage itself is an oppressive institution and it, we don't really need it. But at the same time, marriage can mean so many different things to so many different people. Mm-hmm. And just because one part of society, a very white society, usually considers you know marriage to be the downfall of civilization, doesn't necessarily speak for all of us. You know, Absolutely. marriage means different things to me versus someone else. And so, mm-hmm. I think it's just really important not to throw marriage or marriage equality under the bus completely, because, like I said. You know, it's important to consider cultural differences in what marriage. For sure. Um, and, you know, for certain communities, having marriage equality might legitimize queer relationships because that's what communities mm. uphold as the ultimate mm. uh, sort of acceptance model. So I think it's really important not to throw marriage equality under the bus at the same time while recognizing that it's not for everyone. Yeah. But the most important thing at this point in time, at least, is just to realize that the queer community is bigger than just cis yeah. people. And you, I know for me, while the debate was going on, the argument for, for me, I wanted the right to be able to say no. Mm. I didn't want to just be ex- someone else decides that I'm excluded. Yeah. I want to be able to make that decision for myself about whether or not I agree with marriage and whether or not. I want to get married. And on the other side of things, I know, in, for example, in the UK, they had civil unions through, come through before equal marriage. Mm-hmm. And, you know, allowing what that meant was, and this, this came through, I think it was in the mid-2000s, perhaps. I could be wrong. It could be a bit later than that. Gay couples, you know, same-sex couples were allowed to sign a contract and just say that they were in a relationship mm-hmm. and they got pretty much all of the same rights as a married couple. But they sort of, I guess, sat in a different filing cabinet. Mm. And some people weren't very happy with that. And then obviously equal marriage came through. So there's an interesting situation now where heterosexual couples or, you know, opposite sex couples aren't able to access these civil partnerships. They have to get married in order to get those rights. And in the UK, they don't have de facto laws in the same way that they have here. The de facto laws here are really rather comprehensive. Mm. For the most part, you get almost all of the rights of marriage. Not quite. There's still a way to go, but almost all of the rights. In the UK, if if you're not married, you don't get those rights. Mm. So a quote-unquote straight couple have to get married to get those rights, whereas Mm. a same-sex couple can choose between marriage or civil partnership. Mm. So we're in this strange middle ground in the UK where same-sex couples have in some ways more rights than straight couples because they can choose whether they just sign a contract Mm. that literally doesn't even, you only need to have maybe a witness there to look at the contract in the same way that you would a business arrangement. Mm. And you don't need to say those words that a lot of people maybe aren't overly keen on. Mm. So there's a choice there. Yeah. And perhaps that's maybe where we need to go. Yeah. That yeah. Choice. yeah, that's really cool. Mm. But also, I mean, you know, yeah, such contracts are not, once again, just, you know, not putting necessary. it out there, these contracts might not mean anything to different cultural communities. Absolutely. So mm. uh, what works in the Western world doesn't really apply to the whole other part of the world, which is quite a sizable portion. That's, yeah. that's all we have to remember. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so I think I might play a track now by Coffee. Mm. Uh, and this one is called Toast. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> 
You're listening to Tuesday Breakfast on 3CR. We have another guest on the line. Um, and just before we had that, we had a track, um, which was Coffee, and it was called Toast. <laughs> um, but on the line, we have Laura McLean, who is a proud Wiradjuri woman and union organiser. Thank you so much for joining us this morning, Laura. Thanks so much for having me, George. Did you hear AB Original? I did. (laughs) (laughs) Best start to an interview, I think. (laughs) I know, right? (laughs) So you're here to talk to us about a couple of things, uh, but we wanted uh, to, yeah, have a bit of a discussion about what is going on up uh, at Japarung Country because you've been going there quite a fair bit, actually, over the last week. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. And what's it been like over the last week? Um... Oh, look, it's been, there's been a lot of people, uh, which is really good, which is, um, you know, what the embassy's been calling for. So, um, it's been very busy and although there's sort of a, a looming threat, um, in, you know, in the air, it's still quite a good atmosphere. So. Yeah, good to yeah. see a, a pretty big turnout. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. On Saturday, there was a huge, um, solidarity contingent that left from Victorian Trades Hall. Um, which is an amazing effort um, by uh, many organisers who put a lot of work into that. So that was really good. Yeah. And can you tell us more about that? Because my understanding was that the unions came out with a, was it a statement in support of the embassy? Is that right? Or how did that all play out? Yeah. So um, the Victorian Trades Hall Council um, passed unanimously a solidarity statement. Um, that came about from a lot of grassroots organising by local um, local community members and trade unionists actually putting pressure on on the council to come out in support of it. There's a lot of um, groundwork done to uh, get that to happen, um, but it's really good to see that um, trade schools um, make public their their motion um, for solidarity with the Jablang Embassy. Yeah, yeah, definitely important. Um, and do you think that there'll be more happening in that space in terms of that support? Um, I definitely hope so. Um, but in order to keep the momentum going there, there needs to be that continuation of that groundwork and, and that organising to actually uh, yeah, keep that momentum. Mm. Um, we, we all sort of know that change does not uh, just sort of happen. Um, mm. It's something that people actually work towards and put a, little, a lot of work into. Yeah, yeah, and I guess it's something we've been talking about because we've been having some discussions about Japarung over the, this program and, and about how that, that support is required, you know, it's ongoing support that's required. It's not something that we can just spend a weekend on. And how do we yeah, keep engaged? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, um, the, the big reason why there was um, so many people throughout last week was um, just a bit of background, um, the embassy was handed um, two weeks ago an eviction notice. That eviction notice was up on Wednesday, so um, that's why so many people went out, because uh, we weren't anticipating um, uh, traditional owners to be starting to get evicted from the land. Um, obviously, police are very clever, and they're going to wait till the groundswell goes down a little bit and there's less mm. media coverage. So it's actually really vital at the moment that we continue getting boots on the ground throughout the next couple of weeks. Yeah. And do you think that we will see that ongoing support? I certainly hope so. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Are you going to be going up this week as well? 
Yeah, I'm going to be heading out next weekend. Yeah. Um, but what's really important is that people who don't, um, who might not work throughout weekdays also make an effort to get up there as well. Um, yeah. Yeah. And can you t- tell us about, like, what kind of things, because I guess some people might not know who haven't been up yet, what kind of stuff you can do to help once you're there, you know, not just being there, but what, what can you actually do to, you know, contribute? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, look, there's always help needed around the camp, um, swimming towards the dug, um, dug up last week, uh, which is great. If you are good at cooking, um, you can help out with that. Um, just general duties. They need people um, on spotting shifts, especially throughout the night at mm. each of the camps. So taking shifts, looking out for, um, you know, police vehicles or, um, you know, anything dodgy going on. Um, they, they need people uh, ready and willing to do that as well. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Those shifts are so important. And I guess for some of the people that are doing this 24 hours a day, you know, doing those spotting shifts in the middle of the night is probably pretty tiring for them at this stage of the embassy. So for, for people yeah. that are feeling a bit more fresh that can go down just for a, for a day or two, that, that would definitely be useful. Yeah, absolutely. This has been ongoing for 15 months. Yeah. Um, and, you know, uh, uh, people have, have been there pretty consistently throughout that time. Um, so it's, it's definitely, definitely good to um, give them some from that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. And just shifting gears a little bit, because while you're here, I did want to pick your brain about something else. Um, the mm-hmm. upcoming Wear It Purple Day. Yes. Can you tell us a bit about so, it? Well, yes, it is Wear It Purple Day uh, this Friday on August 30th. Um, Wear It Purple Day is a national initiative um, in response to the high rates of um, LGBTQI suicide. Um, yeah, and it's an initiative to bring awareness um, and attention uh, to that. Um, so people hold political events uh, in their workplaces or um, community centres, wherever that might be. Um, if you want to host an event or want help setting one up, you can actually go to the Wear It Purple page, um, and they have resources there to help with that. What was that page, sorry? Um, let me just double-check <laughs> what the actual page is. Because we can share it on our... Social medias. Yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it sounds like really purple. Yeah, it's just www. Cool. So if if um if you're listening and you want your workplace to get involved in this, you can head to that website. Yeah. 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 Sweet. Um, and what will you be doing for Wear It Purple Day? Um, I'm trying to coordinate a couple of small events just with some of my delegates. Um, but at the minimum, I will be wearing purple, which reminds me I have to go shopping this week. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's not really colour that I, I feel everyone has on hand in their wardrobe. No, all I really own is black. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Um, well, thank you so much for joining us this morning, Lauren. We're really excited at the possibility of having you come on as a regular guest to give us all of the important updates about what's going on in the union world. So thank you for your time. Thanks so much, George. <laughs> Have a good day. You too. Bye. Red alert. Numbers are needed at the Japarang Heritage Protection Embassy camps immediately. Sacred birthing trees on Japarang country need protecting. Over 50 generations have been born on these sites and the birthing trees themselves are 800 years old. 
These trees are being protected from the Victorian Labor Party's planned highway extension that is set to destroy this sacred dreaming landscape. The cops are coming with eviction orders very soon. The campaign to protect country is led by Japarang traditional owners who are calling on people from all walks of life for support. You can help by joining traditional owners at the camp on Japarang country near Ararat or by donating and putting pressure on Daniel Andrews to protect this sacred land. Visit dwembassy.com for more information and updates. No trees, no treaty. Broadband return, playing the tote band room, Sunday, September 1st. Having completed an 11-city Japanese tour, they now launch their Japanese-released album along with US split vinyl. Very special guests are Japanese label mates, 20 Gilders, featuring Mitsuru Tabata of Acid Mother's Temple. Light Magnetic, the new band with members from The Scientist and Paradise Motel, plus competition team. Broadband, the tote, Sunday, September 1st, Tickets, $10 pre-sale from the thetotehotel.oztix.com.au Kazumiwan Records is a 3CR supporter. You're listening to Tuesday Breakfast on 3CR. We're just about wrapping up for today. It's been a big show. Big show? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Great show. So just before, who did we hear from? We the, the track we were here. Well, who did we have an interview from before the track? Um, we were speaking with Laura McLean, who mm. is uh, a proud Wiradjuri woman and a unionizer, and has does really awesome stuff in activist spaces. And we were talking about Japarung, but also we're at Purple Day, and mm-hmm. having her as a regular Tuesday breakfast. Now she has to. We've seen her seven times today. It's going to be great. Laura, if you're listening. <laughs> And after that, we had one of my personal favourite songs, None of Us Are Free by Solomon Burke. Mm. I love Solomon Burke. I just felt that it sort of fits what we were talking about. It's the real theme of today. It really is. Mm. Yeah, because it is true. None of us are free if one of us is chained. Mm. Absolutely true. Um, On top of that, we also had an interview before that with um, Jess Eisen Mm -hmm. about um, the Melbourne Free University Queer Manifesto, 6.30 to 8pm at the Alderman this Thursday. Um, We also had a few different uh, things going on about Japarong Embassy. We heard from um, Earth Matters, a little excerpt from there about what's happening at the moment. Um, Once again, reiterating... Japarong Embassy, really important to be supporting them over the next few weeks. Go down there, donate, donate supplies. Even just if you've got a few free hours, drive people down there. Yeah. Offer, offer your car up, even if mm. you can't go down there to camp but feel like a drive. Do something like that. Yeah, yeah. there's so many ways you can engage depending on what's... Yeah. Absolutely. At, at mm. the beginning of the, the show, we had news from Chris, our usual news reporter, and coming up next week, very exciting, we have Ruby yes. Hamad on Yay. talking about her book that is coming out next week, White Tears, Brown Scars. Yeah. And I think it is going to be a really interesting interview. Very exciting. I'm yeah. so excited. Yeah, I'm reading the book at the moment. It is, How is it? It is good, yeah. as, as to be expected. Mm. She's a great writer. Mm. So I'm very excited to have a chat with her about that. Yeah. And coming up now, what do we have? We have Accent Women. Yay. Beautiful. Yes. Thanks for tuning in, everyone. Yes, we will we'll see you all next week, or you'll hear us next week. Bye-bye. <laughs> You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.